0: Good morning, Flagler County. This is Danielle Anderson, your host of Lifeline, the radio show connecting you to positivity here in our community. And we have a very special guest and topic this weekend. Good morning, Rabbi. How are you?
1: I am very well, Danielle. Thank you.
0: I really appreciate you being here today.
1: It's good to be here. Good.
0: So for people who don't know you, please tell them who you are and what you do.
1: Okay. I'm Rabbi Rob Lenick, and I am the Executive Director of the Jewish Federation of Volusia and Flagler Counties. And that organization is an umbrella organization for the entire Jewish population of our region. And we do social services. We have a food bank. We do a backpack program. We uh, provide educational activities for the Jewish and non-Jewish communities. And we are a philanthropy. We raise money to support causes around the local community, around the world, and in Israel.
0: So I know a lot of people in Flagler County have not heard of the organization. Um, so how do we kind of, like, work to get the word out about it? Um, are there any things, that, any programs that you guys have worked on in Flagler that you could talk about?
1: Well, our food bank, actually, the uh, Jerry Doliner Food Bank, serves people in Flagler County as well. They come to us. We're open every Wednesday from 12 to 1. Last year we served over 15,000 wow. people at our little food bank. It's really a full-time operation, and um, we're glad that we can connect with people in this way, irrespective of their religion, their background, their experience, Um, and the people that come to us, uh, they're just like you and me. They've just had a rough patch, or they're dealing with challenges, mental or physical, and um, what I say to people is we're purveyors of empathy. That's what what we're really (laughs) trying to do.
0: That's amazing. And so um, tell how did you get involved with this, um, with the organization?
1: So I was a congregational rabbi for over 25 years, and I loved being a pulpit rabbi and all the different ways to take care of people. Um, but I began to feel about 10 years ago um, that my, my sense of purpose went beyond the walls of the synagogue, and they became much more communal And I'd also done a lot of interfaith work over the years. And the Federation movement is really about being a cheerleader for everybody and bringing everybody together. I mean, our theme is about unity and understanding and cooperation. And so the Federation world was just the next perfect place for me to go.
0: And did you grow up in Daytona?
1: No, I grew up in Massachusetts. Oh, wow. <laughs> and uh, came to Daytona, I was most recently with my wife Loretta in um, in New Mexico where I was a federation CEO there. And uh, the desert just wasn't for us. We missed <laughs> the green, we missed the water, and we missed being back East. So, we're delighted to be here. We just love this community. It's so compassionate. It is so incredibly generous. And welcoming, it, it, just, just so many blessings here, and I hope people realize that. I think if
0: you've come from someplace else, um, when you come here, you realize just how giving our community actually is. It's, I've never seen anything like it before.
1: It, it truly is remarkable. We've just seen this with uh, the crisis happening in Israel. Um, which we can certainly talk more about. I know it's on everybody's minds.
0: And it, and it, it really is. And I know you put a call out um, <clears throat> to do a fundraiser for that, right?
1: We did. We had a community vigil on the Monday night immediately after October 7th and that initial, you know, unspeakable tragedy in Israel. And we had over 500 people showed up to this vigil. We had a memorial. We talked about Israel. We had pastors, we had leaders in the community, Sheriff Chitwood, Mayor Partington from Ormond Beach, and a lot of community people. And, um, we put out a call. The Federation allocated $100,000 to support humanitarian needs in Israel. And we asked for a match. And in five days, we not only matched it, we exceeded it. It's incredible.
0: So when you talk about having that vigil, did you see people there that were um, not of the Jewish faith that just wanted to be a part of it?
1: Quite a few, in fact. I'd say about at least 20% of the people there were not Jewish. And because I think everybody on some level, particularly if you're part of an Abrahamic religion, feels a connection to the Holy Land. And although, you know, there are a lot of passionate feelings about how that little tiny piece of real estate should be managed, should be handled, should be governed. Uh, It's a spiritual place, and people feel a connection to it and and understand its importance in human history and in human experience. And um, I think also the world is just becoming more and more dominated by extremism. And, And this was just such a blatant expression of such a horrible, barbaric extremism, uh, you know, really aimed against innocent people. You know, terrorism almost by definition aimed at civilians purposely. Um, I think it touched a lot of different things inside people's hearts. And I think that's why so many people were there. So when we look at that, what happened, there's like
0: three different things to talk about, I guess. Okay, so what is the history... When you talk about the real estate, you know, because in my mind, I grew up, you know, Baptist and Methodist and, you know, Israel's the holy land. It belongs to the Jewish people. You know, that's it's that way forever. You know, that's just what we know or what we were taught. So, you know, how did this whole thing come about where there's even like discussion of who really should be there or and why can't everybody share?
1: Both really important questions. I don't want to give a long lecture on the (laughs) the history, but but I can can say it very succinctly. The Jewish people have been living indigenously in that piece of real estate for 4,000 years. During that 4,000 years, it's also true that the Assyrian Empire, the Babylonian Empire, the Greek Empire, the Roman Empire, the Turkish Empire, and many others as well, overran the land And took it over, you know, governed it, took it over. But Jews continued to live there throughout. There never really was a Palestinian state in that real estate. But as the Turkish Empire developed and more Muslims came to the land, they began to live there too, side by side with Jewish people. Um, It's unfortunate that the crisis we're in now, um, you know, really – Begins with the creation of the state in 1949, the, mon- the 1948, the modern state of Israel, and you know, different groups having different claims to that land, um, and it's of course it's tragic that there's hasn't been a way to make it work. But I think people should know the history that since 1948 there have been five distinct attempts, opportunities to create a Palestinian state right in the same neighborhood, if not right next door to the state of Israel. And five times it's been rejected. By who? By the leadership of the Palestinian people or by the Arab world uh, in the case of, you know, earlier attempts, 1948, 1956, 1967. Um, just uh, there's it, – it sadly goes back to uh, it, there are extremists everywhere. And there are extremists in the Arab world who have never even accepted the legitimacy of a Jewish homeland. And unfortunately, Hamas, uh, they are avowed by their, doc, uh, their documents to destroy the existence of the state of Israel and to kill every Jew in the world. And that is their agenda. And they do not care about collateral damage. They do not care about civilians. They use Gazans they, in in Gaza as human shields. All of this is documented. It's not propaganda. And so you're dealing with one of the worst worldwide known terrorist groups that there is. And um, they displayed <laughs> exactly who they are on October 7th.
0: I mean, and I think the... What strikes me so odd is how everybody or there are people that can say they support the, that activity when we're all so like we're against extremists, we're against terrorism, we're against that and then people are justifying um, what happened. I don't understand that.
1: It's very difficult. Last night, I have a very good friend uh, who is a Muslim um, who reached out to me last night and I had posted something online about you know the history of anti-Semitism and the um, and and different forms of Arab and Muslim extremism, and he said to me, "Hamas is evil," and I believe every Muslim should acknowledge that, just like everyone should acknowledge that. He said, but it's also tragic that. In Gaza, there are innocent people, maybe not all innocent civilians. Maybe there are civilians working with Hamas. Maybe there are civilians giving cover to Hamas. But there are also civilians in Gaza that may be truly innocent and how tragic it is for them to have to be rolled up into all this suffering. And, you know, I had to agree with him about that about the, the human suffering on all sides. Um, I can tell you that in Jewish tradition, we are forbidden to rejoice even in the death and suffering of our enemies, there is a, which is not the same with Hamas. These people dance in the streets when Jews are killed. I saw that. Right? Um, there's a story after the Israelites crossed the Red Sea in the book of Exodus And the Egyptians were killed, the water came down, and they were all destroyed. And then in the book of Exodus, there's a big celebration. Miriam and the leaders, they dance, dance, dance. You know, who is like our God? And there's a story that says God stopped them and said, how can you celebrate when my creatures are suffering? And we take that seriously as Jewish people. And even Golda Meir, when she was prime minister of Israel, said, you know, we, uh, we, we take no joy in being in a situation of having to kill the sons and the daughters of our enemies. We never, we never take joy in that. And I think my Muslim friend Issa reminded me of that. And uh, we both cried in our conversation because it is terribly sad. But at the same time, Israel has no choice but to fulfill its mission which is rid the world of hamas and i just pray they will do it uh, with you know care and exactitude to protect as many civilians as they can in the process
0: and it seems like they're really making an effort to make that
1: they happen. they really are making an effort it's 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 there's no way this isn't going to be messy unfortunately but but the restraint has been extraordinary. I believe so, and I appreciate you saying that. Not everybody feels that way, and people are quick to rush to judgment, just like the other night with the, the bomb that went off at the hospital. I mean, even some of the large news outlets were pretty much accusing Israel of being the source of that, and I think the evidence pretty strongly shows it was not um, It
0: was interesting that the um, Israeli spokesman actually said, you know, hasty journalism was causing some real issues because people start to believe those things because that's what's being put out early.
1: Exactly. And it set off, you know, riots in Arab countries, you know, around the entire region. And I believe it was fueled. What use the term, quick journalism or
0: hasty journalism? Hasty
1: journalism. It's a good word, uh, good terminology.
0: So we're going to take a quick break and we're going to talk about some of the folks that are um, perhaps hostages over there and you know, what the solution may be moving forward. We'll be right back.
1: Hey, who's taking care of your air conditioner? If you don't have somebody good, give me a call. My name's Kyle. I've been doing air conditioning in Flagler County for 13 years. I'm now with Quantum AC. We look forward to being your air conditioning company. If you haven't had a checkup in a while, you really should
0: Call Kyle's cell phone number anytime.
1: Okay. I'm Joe Wright, Quantum AC, part of the Quantum family.
0: 586-9039.
1: I look forward to your call. 586-9039.
0: I, I really like Coastal Cloud. I'm blessed to have uh, you know opportunities to move elsewhere, but I choose to stay with them just because of the culture, the people I work with. I believe in what Tim and Sarah have built here, the type of people they are. I believe they do what's right, so I really like the people and the culture. All right, we're back here with Rabbi Rob, and uh, he's just telling us a cute, funny story about being on the radio back in Connecticut. So tell me a little bit about that real quick.
1: So we had a wonderful local station in uh, Greenwich, Connecticut, in the New York area. And on Sunday mornings for a number of years, we had a show that I hosted called Religious Roundtable. And uh, we talked about religion and society. It was not a Jewish show. And we talked to celebrities and politicians about their spiritual experiences. And uh, we talked about the holidays and the calendar. It was very eclectic. (laughs) And it was really wonderful. Um, And I'll never forget the first time I was in a grocery store and someone came up to me and said, aren't you that rabbi guy that's on the radio (laughs) on Sunday mornings? It's your voice. I can tell. And then the person said, just I want you to know, I listen to you every Sunday while I'm getting dressed to go to church. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's, it's, it's nice to be able to share information with the community like that, right? Yeah, it really, really is. So um, we'll, we'll get back to the folks and what's going on in Israel. Um, are any of your parishioners... Congregants. See, congregants. Are they connected to folks who have hostages or part of the hostages or um, how are they kind of like dealing with their loved ones that are over there right now?
1: So we do have a number of people across this Jewish community that um, do have family in Israel right now. Um, And a lot of the family, even some of my family, live in the north. So they've been spared some of the direct impacts of this for the moment. But the whole country is on alert. Schools are not in session because 350,000 reservists have been called up into the Israeli army. So the the country has come to a stop. And so everybody's lives have been interrupted and altered. In the South, we have many people in our community with f as well, and they are, we're glad to say thus far, they're all safe. No one is missing that we're aware of. And they are sheltering in place. Uh, or they've left their homes in the South and they've gone north to be with other relatives. But we're hearing the same thing. That there is um, – even though Israel is a very politically diverse society, even at times a divided society as it's been recently in yeah. recent months, there's a sense of unity now right now in Israel that everybody is on the same page. We will survive this. We will overcome this. We have in the past and we will now. And uh, we, we really do want peace When all is said and done, when we can get the terrorists out of the equation, we really do want peace. And uh, there's there's this really palpable feeling around that.
0: So, you know, the Jewish community has been historically one of the most victimized ethnic groups in like all of history. Why do you think that there is not some movement or some kind of recognition by like, United Nations, to classify them as, and you guys as, like, a protected people?
1: It's a really interesting question. I think that um, there are many groups in this world who should be designated as protected peoples, but the world isn't enlightened enough yet to, to achieve that, unfortunately. At the same time, um, the history of anti-Semitism is complex, it's had many different iterations in history. It's been, um, first a hatred of the Israelite people because they had different practices, strange practices. They worshiped an invisible God. They didn't eat certain foods. They, they kept to themselves. And then that turned into uh, anti Judaism, which sadly was promoted for a very long time by the Catholic Church and since rescinded, you know, very much so. And Catholics are, in some ways, the leaders of interfaith dialogue now with the Jewish people. Um, And then we have anti-Semitism, which is a phenomenon that grew up in Europe in the 1800s. And that's when it began to morph into a hatred of Jews as a race. And that formed the basis of Hitler's doctrine of the final solution to obliterate a race of people based on this notion of superior and inferior races. So it's been around for such a long time. It becomes almost embedded in the consciousness of certain types of people who are always looking to scapegoat someone. Um, and I think, you know, the other thing is, and this is part of the mystery of Jewish survival is, you know, we're barely one half of 1% of the world's population, maybe fifteen, sixteen million 16 million people. But you're God's chosen people. <laughs> I'm not even sure what that means, but that's a mystery to us. But I think part of what we've been chosen for is to apply our minds and our ability and our compassion to make the world a better place. Um, I think it's a source of pride for some and consternation for others that you know, Jews who are just that small percentage of the population you know, have received nearly a quarter of all the Nobel Prizes. And, you know, I say all those discoveries and inventions by Jewish people were not done for Jewish people. They were for the world, for the entire world. And um, I wish most people would say, man, that's really cool. But unfortunately, some people, they're jealous or they're resentful or they're threatened. Um, And so anti-Semitism is complex. Um, and and it, I, it, I'm not sure it'll ever go away completely. Um, do you think there's something
0: that we can do, even if it's just starting in America, to kind of like erase or or dispel those myths and um,
1: the hate? Well, I'll tell you, I agree with Sheriff uh, Michael Chitwood in Volusia County, uh, and he and I have had conversations about this often, that – The best way to attack and respond to anti-Semitism is to treat it like a form of extremism. Although it is specifically directed at Jews, we see this kind of extremism against all kinds of groups of people. And as a society and as a world, we have to have the resolve and the will to stand up firmly against all forms of extremism. See, when I talk about anti-Semitism, I never only talk about anti-Semitism. I talk about racism. I talk about all kinds of bigotry and hatred and marginalization that goes on in the world around us. And I think it's we have to have a cultural change of mind um, that I can be myself without othering you right right and a lot of people define themselves by saying I'm not like that and I'm not like that one and I'm not like that one and I'm not like that one and we other people using the word other as a verb as a way of like knowing who we are ourselves and that's kind of a negative identity that's a negative way
0: instead of saying I am you're saying I'm not exactly
1: and I think that that's that's at the heart of what we need to overcome.
0: Do you think that's something that we could start to – I know school and education and indoctrination has been a huge topic, but how do you think we can kind of get that message of kindness and inclusiveness you know, to children as a young person to kind of say, I accept everybody?
1: Well, there's a story in, in the Hebrew Bible about a character um, – Elijah the prophet and it is said that Elijah didn't die at the end of his life he went up into the sky and and flame and everything else and
0: he ascended to heaven
1: ascended to heaven (laughs) and out of that comes a legend in Judaism that says Elijah will come back since he's never really died and he will herald the messianic age he'll be the one to say the, the world of goodness the lion lies down with the lamb etc it's here he'll be the heralder but we're also taught he will show up as a beggar and we're taught in Judaism so when you encounter a beggar you should never say no because you could be rejecting Elijah disguised as that particular beggar you see on the street on the corner wherever it is and um You know, I've been fortunate to give a talk around our area about lessons from our food bank. And the main lesson from the food bank is, and I think it's to answer your question, is anybody could be Elijah. Elijah could be the person sitting next to you for all you know. And so that's how we have to treat each other with the compassion and the acceptance and the empathy that we would show to someone who could be Elijah disguised as a beggar, or God forbid, we're pushing God away, we're pushing the Messiah away, whatever it means to you, we're pushing the good outcome further and further away from us, just in how we treat one person sitting next to us.
0: That's a universal lesson. Yeah. So if people are interested in helping with humanitarian efforts, is there still an opportunity
1: to help? There is, and it's very simple. You can go to our website, which is jewishfederationdaytona.org. And the minute you arrive on the site, you'll see it right there, the opportunity to help Israel.
0: All right. Thank you for coming in this morning. Thank
1: you. It's been a pleasure.
0: All right. And uh, we want to thank Coastal Cloud, Joe Wright and the Quantum Family of Businesses, WNZF News Radio and Flagler News Weekly for sponsoring our show. And we will see you next weekend.